war in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. And we're live now. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now, it is 12.06. It is Wednesday. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. This is the Noon Report. I want to welcome everybody in tuning in on Facebook Live. If you find my page, it's John DePietro Show. Boom, here we are. We go live at noon for the Noon Report, tell you all the news, all the news, all the news that you need. And then we will be doing Facebook Live later, obviously. Folks, this portion, uh, please share that you are watching. Make sure you click the like button on the page. That's how you get notified <clears throat> when we go live. This portion of the program, folks, of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Stop in and see everything they have available, especially right now. Fall mums, kale, ornamental peppers are ready. Four inch, six inch, nine inch, 10 inch, 12 inch. Remember, they have the freshest vegetables, sweet corn, zucchini, eggplant, yellow squash, tomatoes and cucumbers. Local honey is available all season long. They've had a fantastic season, and folks, they are not done. You know, I also noticed that since we did get quite a bit of rain the past couple of days, the people are saying, okay, you know, we're back in it. Uh, tragically, you know, it's post-Labor Day. I love summer as much as anyone else, but the fall is a great time for your property, for your lawn, and they have, and I'm so happy to hear that people have been stopping in and getting some of those Placata Green Giant Abravites. Folks, hundreds to choose from. They can be three feet tall. They can be 11 feet tall, fast growing, deer resistant, beautiful natural border. Instead of getting a fence, you know, you plant a couple of those along your property and it, you know, it looks better and it gives you the privacy that you're looking for. And I value privacy. Many people you know, it's nice if you're going to sit out in your yard and just to have that natural barrier because they can go 11 feet tall. The, and they have the best. Placata Green Giant Abravites. Folks, they're worth the ride. They're open seven days a week. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They are a full-scale nursery. Look for them on Facebook. Debbie and Steve and Junior and Byron. Gift certificates are available. They're open every single day. Pop it and see them right off of Route 4. So Mike McNally is going to join me coming up. Folks, it's 12.08 in the Ocean State. And remember to visit our website, depetro.com. We have unique stories and videos uh, that you won't find anywhere else. And don't forget, depetro.com, which is brought to you by the Coesed Inn, a Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious uh, dinner, drinks, in the lounge, full-scale restaurant. I was just there at the end of last week. And a great meal, they're consistently great, is the Coincident, 226 Coincident Avenue in West Warwick. So Mike McNally, now you may not know who he is, but I've been uh, going back and forth with him. He's on the Rhode Island Commerce Board. He voted against the soccer stadium. And he's going to join us coming up just about 1220. We're going to have him on because... He has punched holes through this facade that Governor McKee has put forward. So, folks, I'll give you a full recap between now and then break it down. So last night, much anticipated final gubernatorial debate. I even did one after dark. We ended it early so people could watch the debate. And I, you know, listen, I I come to you with reality. We have to deal in reality. You got to deal, be realistic. You have to be objective. It was it was frankly, it was disappointing. It was boring. I didn't like the format. Um, you know, I, I and it had all the makings. It had all the makings. I want to be very clear. I like Tim White. I, I like and respect both Tim White and Ted Nisi. Those guys, they work so hard. They're very, they're very talented. But I thought last night, what did it need? Um, you know, you have a live audience there. And what's the point of having a live audience if you're going to keep reprimanding the audience and telling them, <clears throat> to be quiet. I didn't find the audience overly boorish. I found them, you know, you're engaged. You're there. Uh, they give out tickets to the, the candidates. So their supporters are there. And when the candidate says something that's good, they give up a good line. There's nothing wrong with applause. I'm very glad that Channel 12 only had the four of them up there. Governor Dan McKee, who they referred to as Mr. McKee, 
by the way, throughout the debate that I heard he was getting irritated by that. Secretary of State Nelly Gobea, Helena Bonanno folks, and also Matt Brown. So, <clears throat> now granted, the Channel 10 debate had five of them. Hotter, Johnson of Wales, and the crowd just seemed to be a little more on top of it. But I want to give credit. See, you know, it does make a difference who the moderator is. Gene Velicenti just let the debate take shape. I'll also say this about Gino, who I happen to like and respect as well. He approached it more as here's a topic. Now, the four or five of you debate it. And I prefer that. You know, last night was a good example with the stadium. If your governor, will you continue to pump in state money into it's already 60 million. It could go to 100 million. Let's go down the line. And then let them debate it. I found Tim Whitehead and Nisi, number one, they seem to be cognizant of the fact that Governor McKee is not fans of theirs. Governor McKee blames Channel 12 for a lot of his problems. That's also the first time he has been where he could be interviewed by uh, Ted Nisi and Tim White. So Tim White's questioning on uh, the FBI that Governor McKee just did not have his talking points down. Tim Mc- Tim White was very clear. Tim White's question, I played it last hour. It's actually pretty simple. As governor, do you owe it to the people of Rhode Island to share with them if a member of your staff is subpoenaed by the FBI? Now, let's just point out, Cianci didn't fight that during Operation Blood and Where we are right now is Governor McKee has put a lid and will not reveal to the media if a member of his inner circle is subpoenaed and questioned by the FBI. So he kept saying, well, I'm saying I have not been. Now, if he's the target, which I believe he is, come on, he's the one, it was his deal, he had to sign off on it. Let's be very clear, the ILO contract was not happening unless then brand new Governor McKee was signing off on it. It was a non-starter. So to say as if like, you know, let's just say there was wrongdoing on his staff and they felt it had nothing to do with him. Well, you know, the authorities might be going with him or maybe even asking for his cooperation to root out the corruption, right? But that's not what this is. So if he didn't sign off on it, it was him and his former friend, I think, Mike, um, the guy that was with the that left the ILO group. It would have been the two of them. They were basically the architects. There was all the all this email back and forth. But I found, you know, they, they spent a lot of time with with answers in the beginning. If I'm going to be critical, I think um, criti- um You know, helpful criticism in a way, constructive criticism, if you will, regarding the debate. I thought the flooding was certainly fear game was brand new, but they just allowed the answers to go on too long. I think it should have been a little bit more and forth, back and forth. I thought that Tim White, I thought he was like a little bit too much like an aggressive ref with the the whistle. I am willing to bet that if those two guys could have a do over. They would do the debate differently. And they realized, I think, they should have done the soccer stadium right out of the box. Because the soccer stadium, this ridiculous soccer stadium in Pawtucket, is, um, <clears throat> that really is what started generating things. And then the problem is then you're short on time. Because they didn't get to that till about 8.50. So it took a while. I want to commend Helena Bonanno, folks. Um, she's the one that ran CBS. She had her best night. The question is whether it's too little, too late. She doesn't owe anybody anything. She is um, she is the most accomplished on that stage. Gorbea at times seemed okay, but Helena folks brought it with the FBI probe. I thought that Channel 12, Tim White, Ted Nisi, I thought they were almost too um, accommodating to Governor McKee. And they were almost like giving them the final word on a lot of things, which I didn't think was necessary. Um, I also, I don't think they needed, now I'm going to be really critical. They didn't need, I didn't like the whole, like, pop quiz. What's what's the point of pop quiz unless there's, they should, like, Helena Folk should have got extra time because she's the only one that got the answers right. 
So, and I, I don't understand, I've said this before, these speed round questions in, in a general election, it could make sense. Such as, you know, in a general election, right? Let's just say it's going to be Ashley Kalis against whoever wins the Democrat primary. <clears throat> um, if you said speed round, should there be more charter schools? Yes or no? Well, in a, in a general election uh, debate, you know, the Republican will say yes and the Democrat will say no. If you say, should illegals get a driving license in a general election, general debate, the Republican will say no, the Democrat will say yes. Well, last night, when you do these speed round, they were all saying the same thing. You know, it was the same thing with the stupid CD2 debate where they, these people, they're all too much alike. It's very difficult to discern what exactly is the difference. And the debates should be, as someone, I've obviously done debates, it's, it's got to be where you let the, the viewer should come away, the voter, and know the difference between the candidates. Many times the problem is they're all like basically on the same page. I also, I was very disappointed with two questions last night. Number one, I, I didn't fully understand. Ted Nisi had the first, his first question was about what would you, like the big thing you do with the economy. And I didn't, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I, I think I kind of know what he meant, but it was just an excuse for them. They just ate up a lot of time. And they start talking about housing. I mean, that that's not, <clears throat> I thought that was a wasted question. And the, the abortion question was another way. They were, they were all basically on the same blanking page. So I, I think last night, I don't know. I even would have gone with just one of them. I don't know if you need it, but I know those guys are friends and I know they like doing them together and they've had some success. But I, I thought last night the format in a different format, Helena folks really could have kicked tail last night because she was on. She's got it. She's coming to her own. She's a good student. She's gotten better. The problem is the clock is ticking. McKee was rattled early on. That guy is so easy to get rattled. Um, I thought they were almost too polite to him, except when Tim White was pushing about the uh, the subpoenas. And then how about McKee said, well, you got the letter. Well, we don't know what the blanking letter is. So, But last night, we're going to bring him on. Mike McNally, who voted against the soccer stadium, put out on Twitter that Governor McKee is being disingenuous and not giving the full info about the soccer stadium. And folks, just to sum up with the races, the Gorbea campaign, they keep making mistakes and they keep its, its um, self-inflicted wounds that are hurting her. I still think she's going to do much better on the mail ballots than other people expected. Helena Folks is really coming on strong. But the question is, does she have enough time? The problem with Governor McKee is he sees the finish line. Governor McKee has given away the state to all the special interests. And those are all IOUs that are going to come due if he gets elected governor. He's also carved a path with East Providence. He's got that mayor in his pocket. He's got Graven and Pawtucket in his pocket. They hold, you know, Sabina Matos in Providence. And then he's got, even though the mayor of Central Falls is actually with Nellie Gorbea, he's got James Diosa, the former mayor, in his pocket. So McKee is going to try to run the table with Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls, and he's included East Providence here, which means they're going to try to pull a lot of mail ballots out of there. And where Governor McKee is basically buying the election with the special interest, buying the election. Did Matt Brown help himself last night? Uh, not really. He needs more. I, I thought the guys at Channel 12 were a little rough on him. Um, this whole business about who gets indicted. I mean, come on. I mean, we, we know that'd be like Mayor C. I mean, you, you know, it's the top person when they, they introduced the probe. Otherwise, Governor McKee could announce, hey, listen, I didn't do anything wrong when I'm cooperating if there's any wrongdoing in my office. So I, I was very surprised how harsh they were. And then saying to, to, um, to Matt Brown, you know, two thirds don't end in indictments. Come on. This is a sitting governor who is under an FBI probe. And they were, they were almost trying to, you know, map it out as if like, you know, um, well, we don't know if he's going to get indicted. 
So someone last night, in from what I understand, Governor McKee, folks, this is big. And again, good afternoon, everybody. Governor McKee has actually asked for Mike McNally to resign. And Mike uh, is no shrinking violet. He admittedly uh, voted against the soccer stadium. He um, is not, this guy is not going to be intimidated by Governor McKee in any way. And we're going to talk to him right now because he was um, very, there he is. Folks, joining us on the line right now is that member of the Rhode Island Commerce Board, and it's Mike McNally. Good afternoon, Mike. Hey, John, how are you? I am very well. Mike, I want to start off. Uh, I found last night, I retweeted you. Uh, you were watching the debate just like I was. And one of the things you put out that clearly got a lot of people's attention was you felt the the talking points that Governor McKee was going off in the debate as far as potentially how the state could be on the hook. You, you found that to be either disingenuous or just not truthful with what the governor was spouting last night. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, um, because he claimed it was uh, one of the strongest taxpayer deal with one of the strongest taxpayer deals that Congress had ever done, and that's just absolutely not true. Um, uh, the reason I know is I've been on Commerce for the board for seven years, and I chair the investment committee, and I look at every one of these deals, and it, it actually is one of the weakest protected deals. It doesn't have what's called profit waterfall. If the developer makes too much money, Congress typically has the means to get money back. Um, that's, a prote- that's an important protection. This doesn't have it. And the whole idea, the, the kind of um, creating the idea that don't worry, whatever happens will be protected is, is absolutely untrue because if this soccer doesn't work out and this fortuitous uh, doesn't make it work with soccer uh, and the stadium's already built, uh, there's nowhere to go. You just have an empty soccer stadium, $60 million down the drain. I mean, there, are, there is risk here and he's, he's, uh, he's being disingenuous. I, 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 so I, I did react to that because I thought people should know that that's not true. Mike, let's say, if you don't mind, um, and you and I both share, I think, I, I thought Helena folks, you know, I know what people don't understand. You could say who won the debate. Uh, I, I would declare her the winner last night. I know some people might say, well, Governor McKee won because he didn't, you know, really fumble the ball too much. But I thought, you know, she's clearly the best student, sharp, uh, offers a different alternative. She approaches things. I mean, my God, the experience. She ran CBS, 200,000 employees, billions in revenue. Um, I think. I, I think you and I both share that Helena Folks is just, she's on another level compared to the people on that stage last night. But I want to go back to that vote. You voted against the soccer stadium. One of the things you tweeted, Mike McNally, was that we don't even know who the investors are. So let's go, no, you know, Mike, yeah. go back to that vote when, when Dan McKee, on the day that he got the endorsement from George D., uh, you know, shows up, uh, everyone's watching, he makes the tie breaking vote. But there were a lot of questions on this vote for this this Tidewater landing deal. It was it was. Let me let me first by say my support of Helena is separate from all this. I, you know, the governor the governor just claimed that I'm doing this, but he did it before. He said after he said the no votes were all political and that I was uh, Helena's financial manager. It's all nonsense. This has nothing to do with politics. Um, but, but but anyway, so the, the way this started out was we had a very good deal. It was $284 million, uh, of which the state was going to support for $50 million. It was a river walk, a bridge over the river. It was the stadium. It was 435 units of apartment. It was 60,000 commercial space. It was a 750 parking garage. It was 57,000 square feet of retail. It was really cool. And it was right on the water. Yep. And we were glad to approve that. Uh, unanimously. Then, uh, in an investment committee meeting uh, in, I want to say, March, Stephen Pryor comes to the meeting, and one of the things he said is that there's trouble at uh, Tidewater. They're way over budget on the stadium. And it, so he, he was he was put out ideas. Hey, how, how, you know, how about if we just move all of the funding to just the stadium? And the, the three of us on the investment committee, all the all these deals go through the investment committee, then the investment committee 
makes a recommendation to the overall board whether we think it's a good deal or a bad deal. I, I, I happen to chair that committee. And our response, my response was, our response, all three of us was, what, crazy? You, know, you, you move all that money and you now long, you have no subsidy. You, you're subsidizing 80 million of the 204 million of the 284 million, and you're just gonna make it, you'll never get the rest of it. You won't get the apartments, the commercial, the parking garage, the retail, it just won't happen. We gotta, we gotta have a better idea than that. So um, they knew that we didn't like it. And then, um, for the first time ever, and again, I've done this seven years, they went around us and, and didn't have a, a commerce uh, investment, they didn't have an investment committee meeting, they didn't have us meet, because basically they knew that we were gonna recommend against it. And then he put two brand new members on the committee so that he could swing the boat. It was it was it was just jammed down our throats. Um, and so this has nothing to do with politics. And and what we wound up with was you know sixty million dollars of state and city money for a stadium that's going to play seventeen minor league soccer games, generate one hundred and sixty two jobs, has a at best, a 30-year net present value of 19 million on the investment, and you're paying 60. Um, it made it made no sense. Hmm. What about um, <clears throat> what about those that decided, you know, not to vote? Uh, I, I'll I'll be honest. Now, I I know Bill Stone. Uh, he was my neighbor at one time. I understand he had he had a you know some kind of a legal conflict, but. And I also know Carl Weiss. Well, 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 wait, wait, yeah, but that was kind of odd. Okay. I can't speak to it. Bill would have to speak to it. But sure. Bill, in prior meetings, um, and again, I shouldn't talk out of school, but he was against it. He and was. And then all of a sudden found out that, that um, I guess, uh, Tidewater had hired his old company, and he got notified that he, he was conflicted out, so he couldn't vote. Hmm. And then, uh, uh, which was really odd yeah but um but but i don't i don't know bill you have to ask bill because i i, I really uh i really don't know and then carl um he uh he didn't have time to uh to uh read the materials i guess so he he abstained he was the very last vote and oh. so it was tied coming to carl and he was the very last vote um I got an opinion on that, but 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 uh, I, you know I, I love Carl as a great guy, uh, but I, I think he got squeezed to say yes, realized yeah. that wasn't the right thing to do, and decided to just abstain rather than do the wrong thing and say yes. Yeah, simply because Mike, um, <clears throat> I mean, but his rationale is like I just didn't have an information at this time, but that that wasn't that wasn't an option. Like the option wasn't if you abstain, then we're going to vote on another time. Like this was. This was do or die. This was fourth and one. Either you're going for it or you're not. You can't. I, I, I believe, my opinion, he should have voted no saying I need more information on it. Not to abstain. That made room for McKee to come in and give the, the tiebreaker. But, Mike, what also, um, and again, folks, we're speaking with Mike McNally. You know, what this comes down to is what Governor McKee also is not saying is it's my understanding we're $60 million in. But that that. Unless I'm missing something, that that number could go up because they could, you know, then it becomes too big to fail. Um, I mean, couldn't this conceivably with with uh, inflation or price of things going up, this could couldn't this baby but turn to 70, 80 million dollars? No, I, no? I, 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 it could, but but I doubt it. And I don't think there'd be a stomach for anybody that put any more money. I think people have realized now that it was a big mistake. And that it was more about um, getting getting votes than doing the right thing by the taxpayer. Um, so I, I think when the election's over, there'll be no re- you know people won't do silly things like this. Um, there was enormous pressure by Grevian and the Pawtucket votes, and I'm sure uh, you know there, there was a lot of pressure on them to make this deal uh, for political purposes. So I don't think you'll see that again. But but the, but it, a similar thing will happen. That is. Um, with no subsidy, how in the world is the rest of this going to happen? I mean, what could what we could see? They said they'd have the design in nine months, and when they do, my guess it's they're going to need you know a hundred plus million dollars, and I'm sure the Rhode Island taxpayer is not going to want to spend another hundred million dollars. No. Um, so so it'll just sit. I mean, we should have the right thing to do was to say time out. 
what is this whole thing going to cost? Because they don't know. When we asked them, we said, they just said, well, we only know what the stadium costs. And this was after we approved it a year and a half ago. Hmm. Um, so we, we just said, hang on, just tell us what the whole thing, and maybe we can make this work. Because it was going to be a very cool thing for Pawtucket on the banks of the river, right. on both sides of the river. Uh, and we did want it to make it happen, but nope, had to rush it through, uh, jam it through just for the stadium, which um, which was silly. But in terms of protections, um, absent that profit waterfall that we normally have, um, this this was not anywhere near one of the strongest in terms of taxpayer protection. Folks, near again, we're speaking with Mike McNally, who sits on the Rhode Island Commerce Board and uh, retired president CEO. Also, by the way, Notre Dame, you or I, Grad, and I like when you take to Twitter and talk about, uh, you know, Providence gives a lot of a lot of breaks to Brown University. URI could could certainly use some of that support from the state. But, Mike, I'm just curious. I, I mean, anyone that goes to Newport, if you've been to re- Newport recently, the amount of building, the amount of private capital, uh, the hotels, all the restoration, that that is that's that's private enterprise coming in. So I, I'm always a little suspect when we have to. You know, I understand that the stadium is a much bigger project, but, you know, you look at what has happened in Newport in the past 10 years and the state benefits from it. Obviously, the city of Newport benefits from it. I'm just leery when we get these types of what people perceive as insider deals and then the state is on the hook for for the stadium. And I, I thought Helena was right last night. I mean, she is right. This is going to be the most expensive minor league soccer stadium in the country. You can't do anything about the geography. It is very close to, you know, Patriot Place and where the New England Revolution plays. It is. Um, I mean, I, I understand the concept, but what what do you what what is your take well, on? Well, go ahead. Well, so, so so okay. So talking about I I I grew up in Newport. My dad worked on the base, uh, so I I remember when Newport was a tourist town. I remember when there was no Newport Bridge. So I, I I've seen Newport. Uh, develop, and you're right. It was all. It was basically all private money. Um, but what, what happened? What's happened to us here? It, we're kind of, a, in some cases, the victim of the success in Boston, which is driven by the universities. In that, we have Boston construction costs because the materials are the same, and now the labor is similar because the construction trades can go just slide up 15 miles to Boston, so they get paid similarly, uh, and they deserve to. Um, uh, so we have construction costs that approximate Boston's, and our, our rents and leases are, in, are, are are less than half. Yeah. So, so the math math hardly ever works. I mean, when's the last time you see a commercial office building in Providence? No. I mean, no. I I can't remember. No. And it's because the math doesn't work. So for us to do that, and we do want that to happen, there are times when subsidies are right. And and, and I know some people are, are saying corporate welfare. I don't agree with that. I mean, if we want something to happen, sometimes we're going to have to pull out the checkbook and, and make things happen until we can turn the tide here, until we can get companies involved, you know, interested in coming here. Um, that's what's got to drive all this, and that'll, dri- that'll drive rents up, and that'll, that'll make it so developers will want to build here and not see subsidy. You're starting to see it happen. You're starting to see it happen on 195, for example. When, in the beginning of what the 195 commission, they were giving uh, plots of land away. Now they're getting paid for the plots of land. Right. So the tide is turning. Um, it, it, it is getting better. And now with the more recent 195 stuff, they're actually get, uh, getting paid. So um, it, it, it is time, but it does, sometimes it does, it, does, uh, it, 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 it takes some, some state subsidy to get the ball rolling. But just getting back before I let you go, and again, folks, so speak with Mike McNally. What, what what do you think, Mike, in your mind, really stood out last night? I'm going to vote um, next Tuesday in the Democrat primary. I'm going to vote for Helena Folks. I, I have my own reasons. She she is just she's in no one's pocket. She doesn't owe anybody anything. I think it would actually be good for the state. She's obviously you know has the temperament. She's had a track record of success. She's dealt with thousands of employees. Um, I, I thought it's too bad. I thought the format was a little tricky for her last night to really get momentum going. And she, I thought she did very well. But I'm just curious, what, what did you think was like a highlight last night that in your mind kind of cemented it where you felt, you know what, the state would be better off if Helena Folks won this primary? Well, 
Well, well, well, John, first of all, let me just say, the governor just got interviewed and said that um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to submarine the Pawtucket oh, deal. And, right. Uh, and that, that, um, that I'm hoping it'll go bust and uh, I'm working on behalf of his opponent. All that's crap. Sure. All, all that's absolute nonsense. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not hoping the deal dies. Or anything. So I don't want this to turn into, okay. uh, you know, but, but, but just, just, I will answer your question. Because I am a big fan, but the, they, those are two separate things. This this, this Pawtucket deal, it, to me, is apolitical. It's got nothing to do with politics. But Helena is a different story. I, I completely, and, I, and I will talk about that. I think she's fabulous. And the thing that struck me the most is that she knew all the answers when those full yes. housing in Gorbia didn't even know it. Yeah. I mean, she knew every answer. And the, but the biggest thing to me is when she said, I made a mistake. Yes. When's the last time you heard a politician you don't. say, I made a mistake? You don't. Yeah. No, nope, you don't. That's honesty. That's trans- transparency. That's humble. That's that's who who we want. But my fear is that moderates don't vote in primaries, and it, it, that that I'm petrified that you know we won't she won't get the support she needs. I mean, mm. uh, but but again, I don't want to. My my commerce stuff has nothing to do with politics. Never has. Hey, Mike. Let me ask you this though. As a retired president and CEO, um, <clears throat> when you do you, like when you're dealing with other, I don't want to get too inside here, and I won't take up too much more of your time. But I'm just saying, you know, if you're a business, I'll say this about uh, Governor Raimondo. When when she was, um, you know, trying to cultivate business relationships, you know, the, the same success she's having right now as Commerce Secretary, which she is, um, it came into play because of her background. She could talk certain way. To people because of her experience, I'm just trying to say. I'm trying to ask it: Is that the type of vibe you get from a Helena folks? Because to me, if I run a company and I'm a CEO, and you know, I just I'm going to say like a Matt Brown. He's just he's this whole business of like tax the rich and all these things. It just don't apply in reality of how you would run a state. To me. I would be more inclined to want to do business with someone that truly has better insight to the challenges I'm facing. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing that you see that's very different than Congress has changed since Raimondo left and McKee came in. Under Raimondo, she talked to corporations, both big and small. She got a rap for not supporting small, which wasn't true. She, she did it both. And she had a Rolodex. She could call anybody. She could call Bezo. She could call anybody. And, and she had connections all over. And she helped the states in big, big ways. Um, the Right now, the current state has no Rolodex. No. He's the mayor of Cumberland. Has, has, has no connections outside. And so commerce now is kind of... Um, you know, it's 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 devolved into small business handouts. Oh. It, 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 but it used to be a driver of economic activity in the state. Honestly, I know yes. that there are you have a lot of people that are naysayers that listen to you. But honestly, it did a, it did a whole lot of good. Now it's just you know small checks to 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 and then the new program every week about you know small business COVID and and, and I feel for the small businesses, but we've got to move the needle and and. Uh, it's just not the same. So, yeah. um, and if sad, anything, sad. with people working remotely, I, I think the state could be better poised. You have a lot of successful business people from whether it's Boston or parts of Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, who they obviously like, you know, Rhode Island in the summertime. And they could certainly make a pitch of, you know, hey, you could enjoy this year round and your employees yeah. uh, remotely. You know, one other yeah. thing I want to mention um, but this Friday, I saw a press release. So there's a private company that apparently has some kind of a contract dispute with the Teamsters. And and Governor McKee, a sitting governor, is going to walk the picket line with the Teamsters. I, this is just my opinion, not Mike McNally. But I think, I'm sorry, if I'm a business owner, that's not business friendly. Like, it, it would be far better. Hey, stay out of it. Let them handle it. I think you get into dangerous territory when you are literally taking sides against against private enterprise. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I've been a lifelong construction trades union supporter, uh, but but I 
I would never, uh, I, you know, that and, 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 and uh, the governor shouldn't be attending no. like that. That's completely inappropriate. It is. And like you say, it's a bad message to, to and, and then, then uh, beating CVS up over the opioids. I mean, what are we thinking? They're one of the biggest, I mean, they're, they're filling prescriptions. There's an FDA that takes care of the, those, those drugs. There's the drug maker. And we're blaming CVS, one of our biggest employers. I mean, yeah. what are we, crazy? Yeah. And then we have a candidate that wants to raise taxes on all businesses. She says it's big businesses, but it's all businesses, if you read what she says. Right. I mean, we're, we're driving business. We'll, we'll, drive, we'll be successful in driving what businesses we have here out. You're right. Folks, again, he's Mike McMally. Uh, Mike, great to talk to you. I'll see you on Twitter. I want to thank you for speaking out. Uh, it, it, it shows, hey, listen, I don't have to tell you, but we need more people. Rhode Island's better served when you have people like Mick, Mike McNally sticking it out. They're putting out there and, and standing up for something like that. So, Mike, thank you. All right. Thank you, John. Thank All you. right, folks, there it is. Mike McNally joining us right here. On the John DePietro show. Now, I think, again, I want to, he sits on the Commerce Board. Governor McKean now wants him to uh, resign because he is shedding light on this whole soccer stadium. And as I have said, and again, folks, at 1241, um, as I have told you, the, the soccer stadium, come on. I mean, th- this is ridiculous. You're How, how far... Is Pawtucket from uh, Patriot Place and Gillette Stadium and the New England Revolution? What is it, 20 minutes? You don't have to. If you know sports, just hear me out for one minute. You know, a lot of times, look at the, the places that have successful college teams. Traditionally, they are places in the country that don't have a professional team. Right. Look at the best example is Alabama. Another great example is Michigan. You know, another good example. Granted, they have the New Orleans Saints, but like an LSU. And you are starting to get more football in Florida between the Dolphins and Jacksonville and Tampa Bay. But for a long time, it was really just the Dolphins. And that's why you had Miami, Florida State. So, you know, one of the problems that Boston College runs into is they, they basically are, in many ways, they're competing with the Celtics. And college, Boston College football is competing with the Patriots. One of the reasons Providence College does so well is around here, they're basically the professional franchise. And they can draw 12,000 people to a game. So the idea that, and that goes all over the country. You know, many times like uh, the Harlem Globetrotters, the WWE, They'll, they'll sell out places like Sioux City, and they'll play Oklahoma City, and they'll play parts of, look at, look at Nebraska, look at Oklahoma. As far as football, they don't have professional teams. And so when you don't have professional teams, the college team almost becomes like the pro team. That was one of the reasons why Pete Carroll and USC had such success in L.A. is because for a long time, L.A. didn't have a pro football team. So the idea that somehow, you know, they're going to draw and we're going to have the most expensive soccer stadium, basically 20 miles from Gillette Stadium. is just, there's just no way. And there aren't a lot of home games and they're not good paying jobs. Governor McKee talks about it's, can I see your ticket? Who wants a soda? Who wants to buy a t-shirt? I mean, you know, it is what it is. McCoy Stadium was valuable and brought people in. And I actually, you know, with the, the soccer stadium is going to go is basically where, um, McCoy, you know, the new Pawsock Stadium was going to go. And that is a good spot. I'm not, you know, when you're coming from Boston and you're, you know, 95 South, and as soon as you see that welcome to Rhode Island, and then you'd come around and boom. There it is with the water and the big stadium and the lights. It would look impressive. But at what cost? At what cost? And Governor McKee, it, it seems, as I've said, it's much more of just a gift to labor. But, boy, he is really sensitive. I give Mike McNally credit. Um, 
Folks, at 12.45, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Listen, the next time you have an emergency, instead of going to the emergency room, contact AtMed Urgent Care or stop in. That's where you want to bring someone. They provide immunization. You're not going to wait long. When I've gone, they see you in less than 30 minutes. When you have a true emergency, go to AtMed Urgent Care. Diverse, wide-ranging, cost-efficient healthcare alternative to a hospital-based emergency. Now, on this Wednesday, maybe someone has a work injury. Go to AtMed Urgent Care. Walk-in routine, urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic, and trauma. You know, I hear stories from people that say they bring a family member to an emergency room and then they wait seven, eight hours to be seen. Folks, under an hour at Med Urgent Care. They have doctors, they have nurses, they're accredited. They also do drug testing, adult vaccinations, and mononuclear antibody infusions for those that have COVID. Two locations at Med Urgent Care. I was just at the Johnson location a week ago. And I've also been to the East Greenwich location right across from Felicia's. 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Something is wrong. You want to stop in there. Bring the person there or yourself. And online at medurgentcare.net. Folks, good afternoon. Right now it's 1246. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Good afternoon to everybody tuning in on Facebook Live. This portion of the program is brought to you by Jamie's Power Wash. I want to give Jamie credit, you know, like everyone else we had on our roof. I posted pictures on Facebook. Uh, because of trees and so forth, you, you get develop some, uh, I called it the green stuff, algae, moss, mildew. It's hard to get to because it's way up there. Even if you get up there, you know, it's it's got a, a tight grip. That's why I call Jamie's Power Wash. He soft washed it off, did not damage the roof. It looks like a brand new roof. Jamie's Power Wash, remember, whether it's professional power washing, deck staining, and also soft wash, shower, soft power washing, uh, you want to get rid of it now. It looks better for your deck, patio, tennis court, walkway, garage, house, building, roof. Don't let that, because otherwise it can seep in and it can damage the surface. Jamie's Power Wash. Look for them on Facebook, 401-837-4545. So I'll tell you right now at 1248, there is a slight buzz of... That is it possible that Helena folks could actually now make a late run? So, now we do have some new commercials. Uh, Nelly Gorbea has an ad out attacking Helena folks. I'm going to play that. Um, let's see. Um, let me just... Hmm. The Rhode Island Building Construction Trades membership get out the vote rally tomorrow. You know who that's for. That is Governor McKee giving away the store on that. I want to pull up. um, Let's see. We'll play both ads. Nellie Gorbea has got an ad out attacking. Attacking. um, Helena folks. I want to play that. And then Helena folks has. It's a pretty strong ad, I, I think, for Governor McKee is trying to run out the clock. Governor McKee is trying to run out the clock. All right. This is Latino Victory Us comes in with this pro Nelly Gobea ad slamming Helena folks and Governor McKee. So this is the one that McKee's complaining about. Let's hear this. Who's worse? Helena folks got $29 million as a New York CEO. Then laid off over a thousand workers, calling them low-hanging fruit. She even contributed to Mitch McConnell after he tried to kill Obamacare. Dan McGee, he's under investigation by the FBI for a $5 million insider deal. She's basically a Republican. He better lawyer up. He can choose a real Democrat. I'm Maria Gonzalez, treasurer of the Hillary Fund, and I approve this conference. All right, so there it is for Nelly. Good for her. She's got it going. Um, and then let me play. I want to play the, uh, 
I thought the Helena folks had. I played it a little earlier. Um, I want to play it again. I, I again, I, I don't know. Granted, NFL, NFL football season starts tomorrow night. People will be in front of the television. That's for sure. So that's that's a bonus, you know, having uh, this weekend. Uh, more people at least will be. Here is the Helena folks commercial, I believe. Uh, compare the candidates. The choice, is, I think, is the name of it. Compare the candidates. Dan McKee, the worst job approval of any governor in America. Mired in an FBI investigation of a contract awarded to his cronies. Nellie Gorbea refused his responsibility for a voting fiasco, even though she's the state's chief election officer. Instead, she blames the vendor, who she hired. Her big idea? Raise taxes on companies like Dell's, Higgies, and others. Helena Folks, the plans and experience to get big things done in Rhode Island. The choice? Old politics or new leadership? You know, I like that line. Um, the problem for her, as I've said, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this um, on this Wednesday. The, pr- the problem for her is just the clock. Uh, and also, as I have been saying, it is a pro- problem for her is the mail ballots and the ballot harvesting. You know, there's also there's a big story in The New York Times. Maura Healey could make history run for Massachusetts governor. And they talk about there's her and another candidate. They would be the first um, lesbians to be or let me let me read. I want to make sure I get the wording exact from The New York Times. That Maura Healey, I want to make well, I'm going to let them uh, since I'm quoting the article. I'm going to, I want to make, Maura Healy could become one of the first openly lesbian governors in the United States if she wins Massachusetts this fall. So openly lesbian. Okay. Maura Healy could make history to run for governor. Apparently there's another Democrat running for governor of Oregon. First two openly lesbian, I guess they used to say openly gay, but openly lesbian governors in the country. Let's see. Leanne Cole Allen was fired. All right, so Leanne Allen is going to be on the ticket with Jeff Deal, Massachusetts lieutenant governor. Massachusetts picks a right-wing governor nominee, helping Democrats outlook this fall. Uh, Democrats' Fred Stacey Abrams struggles in Georgia's governor's race. How about that? Democrats dodge a third-party challenge in New York City House race. So these are just Maura Healey, the barrier-breaking attorney general of Massachusetts, secured the Democrat nomination. First woman to be elected governor in the state, on track to do that. If Healey wins, and if another Democrat running for governor of Oregon, Tina Kotick, also wins, they become the first two openly lesbian governors in the country. Healey cleared the field earlier this summer. Favored to win this time. Best opportunities to flip a governor's seat. Uh, Healy will face Jeff Deal. Here's how the New York Times says, right-wing former state lawmaker who was endorsed by President Trump who also defeated Chris Dowdy, businessman, more moderate. Baker's a popular centrist Republican. You know, I like Jeff. And there's uh, Lee, Leah Cole Allen, fired for a vaccination stance, nominated for Massachusetts lieutenant governor. So there they are. A nurse fired, won the primary lieutenant governor. Um, she favors individual liberty. We'll have her on the show. Parents' rights, school, being tough on crime. She um, she ran as a Republican. I know other people. I, I, here's the problem that I think, and I like Jeff Deal, and we'll have him on the program. But a problem that I think he has is just, I think... People are thinking, okay, you know, there was a man doing it for the past eight years. We have to switch. It kind of reminds me. Do you remember in 2000 when Bill Clinton was was saying that then Governor Bush was saying that they were acting like it's a fraternity, like you guys got to run it for the past eight years. Now it's our turn to run it. And Bill Clinton objected to that. But that is sometimes how people think. Georgia Democrats are increasingly pessimistic about Abrams' chance of ousting Governor Brian Kemp, pointing to her struggles to rally key parts of her party's coalition, an inability to appeal to a slice of moderate Republican voters. Public-private polls consistently show a trailing Kemp. 
a Republican seeking a second term. Also, in a particularly worrying sign for Abrams, poll also shows she's drawing less support than the other high-profile Democrat on the ballot, Senator Ralph Warnock, who's seeking a first full term. So, you know, I've never been a fan of hers. And, and she was, by the way, she was one of the first ones that would not acknowledge and concede the election, if you remember Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams also positioned herself that she should be chosen to be whoever was going to be the nominee. In that case, it was Biden, that she should be the choice to be VP. And instead, he, ch- he picked, you know, Harris. And we know how that's going. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show on this Wednesday is brought to you by J. Perry Paving. Now, listen, we're past summer, unfortunately. And I don't even like saying that, but it's true. On this Wednesday, September 7th, hey, J. Perry Paving, residential, commercial, seal coating patios, high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, 20 years experience, specialized in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, free estimate for any project, call J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730, 401-732-1730. Why not get your driveway paved? J. Perry Paving, licensed and insured contracting company, committed to meeting their clients' needs no matter how big, how small, exceptional driveway asphalting. They'll lay brand new asphalt, removal, repair, resurfacing, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. J. Perry Paving has your back. Remember, benefits of asphalt, affordable, smooth, safe to drive on. Call them for a free quote right now. 401-732-1730. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. And I want to remind you that there is no one better with veterans than J. Perry Paving. If you're a, vet- if you're a veteran or a family member, maybe your dad or your mom or your grandfather, grandmother, brother, son, whoever, no one has a better package for veterans than J. Perry Paving. Call them 401-732-1730. Folks, for J. Perry Paving. We'll, we'll get afternoon. We're coming up on 1258. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, <clears throat> 99.9 FM. Now, next hour, I'm going to play some of the, um, oh, wow, four arrested in connection with the Pawtucket Arm Robbery. Two men and a woman. Four people facing charges. Armed robbery Tuesday night, Pawtucket. Um, Tia Pierce of Wakefield. Dante Durrell of Pawtucket and Mason Emery of Charlestown. Turned over Pawtucket police. First degree robbery and conspiracy. He was robbed, assaulted by three of his friends and a fourth person he didn't know. That was 6.30 last night. 25-year-old Connecticut man with facial injuries. So I don't know what went down with that in the bucket. We'll play some more sound from the uh, debate last night. And again, I, I know it sounds critical, but I, I thought it was I thought it was actually disappointing. I did. I thought it was disappointing. I thought I wanted to hear more from the candidates. I wanted to hear less of the moderator. I know uh, you know Tim White Ted Nisi, they did their best I think they needed to take their foot off the brake a little bit. I thought they were interjecting a little bit too much. And I thought that um I I I thought that they they could have taken a step back and let them kind of go at it just a little bit more. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play sound of that. And then folks, listen, the big story, we're not ignoring what the Washington Post story is on President Trump, it's impossible. I know some people wanna do head in the sand, cover their ears. Listen, it's out there. And what's also missing is so far any type of reaction from Team Trump. So the power hours next, it's the John DePietro show on this Wednesday. We're gonna break for the one o'clock news, another full hour to go. We will be doing Facebook Live later. Stay tuned. It's all ahead right here on the John DePetro Show.